0: Welcome to Healthy by Choice, a broadcast designed to bring powerful healing into your life today. Gaining and maintaining optimum health is possible at any age. That's what thousands are learning at CHIP, the complete health improvement program offered across the country and around the world. You can learn more at chiphealth.com. But now, get ready to enjoy some proven results and priceless benefits. I'm your Healthy by Choice host, Charles Mills. It's becoming painfully true that we are literally what we eat, and sometimes what we eat creates in us some very serious diseases, such as Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, and cancer. Our guest today offers the classic good news, bad news scenario concerning many of our killer diseases, and she's here to share both with us. Pamela Popper is a naturopath and internationally recognized expert on nutrition, medicine, and health. She's also the executive director of the Wellness Forum in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Popper, welcome to Healthy by Choice.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Let's begin with the bad news. We're facing an epidemic many are calling food-borne illnesses these days. And the good news is that food can also be our savior. Chapter three of your book, Food Over Medicine, highlights some of these diseases. Let's begin with heart disease, Dr. Popper, our number one killer. What foods got us here? What foods can save us and how?
1: Well, the foods that help people to develop heart disease are mainly animal protein and animal fat. Uh-huh. And I would sec- I would put in the second category to that, fat of all types. One of the myths out there is that you can eat a lot of fat if you just pick better fat. and That's uh-huh. not really true. So what happens to people when they eat a high-fat diet is the endothelial tissue that lines the blood vessels, which is normally sort of like Teflon, you know, the blood's flowing on through and nothing's sticking. Well, you start eating a bunch of fat and your blood gets sticky and starts sticking to the walls, that the walls of the blood vessels become a little bit like Velcro. And that's how you begin developing plaques. I won't go into a lot of detail here, but that's the beginning of, of developing plaques. And by the time most people reach the age of 40 or 50, they literally have miles of arteries lined with these mostly unstable plaques that are filled with not only saturated fat from the animal food, but mono and polyunsaturated fat. And boy, if one of those ruptures, you end up with a heart attack. And for some people, that's the first sign that they have heart disease or coronary artery disease is they have the heart attack, and that's how they find out. So. That's the bad news. Now, the good news is you take that stuff out of the diet, and the body has an amazing ability to heal itself, and that endothelial tissue starts bouncing back, and, and uh, those plaques stabilize. And so uh, I know we're all familiar with Dr. Esselstyn and his work. Yes. He says basically in a few weeks a person can literally make themselves heart attack proof oh. in most instances by adopting a low-fat plant-based diet. What will happen is the very unstable fibrous cap of that plaque that is subject to rupture will stabilize. And that's where your risk reduction really is. Plus, you don't deposit any more plaque. The endothelial cells that are not lined with plaque will kind of bounce back to life and they start pumping out nitric oxide. That opens up the vessels a lot more. Nitric oxide is a vasodilator. And so that'll relieve blood pressure some because you have you have so many problems as a result of this diet. You've got the inside of the blood vessel becoming narrower because of the plaque. Mm-hmm. Then you've got these poor little endothelial cells that are under attack all the time. <laughs> they can't pump out nitric oxide, so the vessels narrow even more and then the flow of blood becomes constricted. That's part of what contributes to hypertension. So you get rid of a lot of those problems when you adopt this diet. Therefore, you can turn around what at some point in time will be a death sentence for 40% of Americans mm-hmm. and live your full lifespan.
0: Now, there comes a point when the, uh, the doctor will say, I'm sorry, you are, you are 50%, you are 60%, you are 80% occluded, you are, you are blocked 90%. Is this the time to go get that bypass or is this the time to start eating broccoli?
1: Well, I think it's the time to start eating broccoli. Of course, I would always tell someone that they should be in touch with a medical doctor about such issues, but generally speaking, you can generalize the necessity for bypass surgery or angioplasty, for that matter, um, into two camps, and and about 3% of the time, these types of procedures are useful, and this is, for example, when you end up at the hospital in the middle of your myocardial infarction. Uh, There's no question that these types of procedures will save lives. But if you are able to schedule the surgery for next Thursday uh-huh. and drive yourself to the hospital and check yourself <laughs> in at the time of your choosing, that, those are the ones that you generally uh, find unnecessary. And if you remember back when Dr. Esselstyn started his original group in 1985, five of those patients were so ill, yes. they'd already had all those procedures yes. and they were told that they wouldn't live till the end of the year. And so you certainly can't promise everybody that if you do this, uh, you'll everything will be fine and you're always going to recover. I mean, I try to stay away from the always and never in this business. I think it's a bad idea to use those terms, but a person has a really good likelihood of improving their health with diet. And um, and the other thing I would add is even if you end up having one of these procedures, you still should start eating broccoli because part of the problem is, I don't know if you know the data, but 50% of the arteries are clogged up again mm-hmm. once people go home because they go home to the same diet. Yes, so yes. six months later, you're in about the same boat that you were before. So without a dietary change, these surgeries don't really have much to offer, even in an emergency situation. You have to change the source of the problem, and that's the food.
0: And that's why we call these things food-borne illnesses. That's why that, that word is circulating throughout all of the medical world. We're beginning to realize the connection between food and, uh, and, and heart attacks and, and strokes. Now, let's talk strokes a little bit. What does food have to do with stroke? That's a little bit different from a heart attack, Right.
1: Well, it is. It's the same phenomenon. It's just that you're talking about cutting off blood supply to the brain. Mm-hmm. And um, often the damage is is more life-altering. I mean, you, you probably know somebody or know of somebody who's oh, had yes. a stroke and lost uh, significant motor control, may not even be able to speak again. And while there are some things that you can do, for example, in, in some countries they do acupuncture in the emergency room when you arrive with a stroke, and there's some evidence that that helps. Mm-hmm. But the operant term is helps. It doesn't put you back together again the way that you were before this happened. And so you want to avoid that too because uh, it really is life-altering for the person who has the stroke in most cases and their family members too.
0: I guess the message I hear you saying here is that when that stroke victim or when that heart attack victim walks out or is wheeled out of the hospital to go home and there's a new stent in place or the bypass is in place or they've somehow unclogged the brain and they've got physical therapy happening, that person is not fixed of the problem. That person is given a second chance. Can we say that truthfully?
1: Well, yes, and I think that's the problem is we're just treating people at the symptom level. Mm. I always use this analogy in my lectures. You know, if I if I leave the office to go home tonight and the oil light comes on in my car, one of the things that I can do is pull over to the side of the road, pop the hood, and disconnect the fuse that lights <laughs> up the oil lamp and keep driving. So I've gotten rid of the symptom. I'm not being nagged by that flashing light mm-hmm. saying, you have a problem. Well, we all know the inevitable end of the story. My engine's going to blow up. And so that's what so many people are doing with their health, is they're they're simply suppressing symptoms instead of using those symptoms as a sign that I better do something different mm-hmm. before something really bad happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Very good. The next thing you mentioned in your book, Chapter 3, the book is called Food Over Medicine, Dr. Popper, is cancer. Now, make the connection here for us. What is what we put into our mouth have to do with growing out of control in our bodies?
1: Well, first of all, cancer represents a systemic and profound failure of the immune system. And again, it's, I, I find biochemistry and biology and all this stuff fascinating, but it's its hard to, in a, just a couple of minutes, explain all this stuff. But basically, to make a real long story short, the way your immune system functions is a function of how you feed yourself. And so um, the first thing we have is, is people with, with very depressed immune function, and people whose normal mechanisms for controlling abnormal cells have completely been overwhelmed and what I mean by that is that all day long uh, the body is reproducing cells and you can imagine with all these trillions of divisions going on you're gonna have some mistakes and so the body is well equipped when it's in a healthy state to address those mistakes. One thing, for example, is cell apoptosis. The cell simply kills itself because it knows it's defective. That's the wonder of nature. And the body has other mechanisms to snip out faulty DNA before a daughter cell is formed and all that sort of thing. Well, first of all, first thing you have going on is that that mechanism is complete. All those mechanisms are completely overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the poor state of health of the individual. The second thing is that one thing that we know, particularly from Dr. Campbell's research, although he isn't the only researcher who's shown this, is that animal protein is a real powerful cancer promoter and the number one type of animal protein for cancer promotion is dairy. And boy, do we eat a lot of that in this country. And so to the extent that we're all going to have some abnormal cells and the body has the the ability to, to address those abnormal cells before they turn into something, some of them will still survive even the body's attempt to rid itself of them. The next issue is if you don't fertilize them, they don't turn into anything. Mm -hmm. And so you take a look at a person who's eating the standard American diet with a lot of animal protein and dairy protein, and literally they're fertilizing those abnormal cells and helping them to grow into tumors. One last thing I'll mention, and it's particularly important in our country right now where Two thirds of all the people in this country are overweight or obese is that uh, for some types of cancer, just carrying extra weight becomes a risk factor for some forms of cancer because uh, we now know that these fat cells pump out all kinds of things like inflammatory cytokines and and uh, sex hormones that increase the risk of conditions like breast cancer and prostate cancer so And Of course, how do we get overweight? How does that happen? Well, back to eating that standard American diet again. So you see how this stuff is all interconnected. So the interesting thing to me, and it's part of what makes our job easy here at the Wellness Forum, is we don't need like 92 different diets. The same diet that helps somebody reduce the risk of their next heart attack or lower their cholesterol before they have a heart attack, it's the same diet you put somebody on if they don't want to get cancer. Or even if they have cancer, you put them on a low-fat plant-based diet it and so we don't have to have a whole bunch of different programs to put people through we can put people through the same program because whatever ails them when they come in the food prescription is quite similar
0: the food prescription i like the sound of that here is a naturopath dr pam popper who prescribes well among other things broccoli we were talking about earlier <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's inexpensive and you can buy it everywhere <laughs> uh, well, That is wonderful good news. and you don't need permission
2: Well, I was about 50, a little over 50, and I had been obese for about 30 years and weighed about 80 pounds over my wedding day weight. I just, you know, felt tired all the time, didn't have a lot of motivation for doing much of anything. I knew I needed to lose the weight, and I needed a program that I could do easily and for the rest of my life. When I found out about CHIP, I began to apply the principles that that uh, were taught. I began to lose weight. The weight just melted off. And within a short time, I was feeling a whole lot better. I was able to fit back into my wedding dress uh, for my 35th wedding anniversary, something I had always dreamed of and didn't think I'd ever be able to do again. And as I was walking one day, I had so much energy that I just felt like bursting into a run, which I hadn't done for many years. On top of that, I was able to play with my grandson in the, in the park, and I wasn't getting sick anymore like I used to. Chip just gave me my life back, and it's a lifestyle that I can do for the rest of my life. For
0: more information about Chip and how it can transform your life, go to chiphealth.com. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Charles Mills. We're here with Dr. Pam Popper. She is a naturopath and internationally recognized expert on nutrition, medicine, and health. She's also the executive director of the Wellness Forum in Columbus, Ohio. And today we're talking about foodborne illnesses. You're not going to believe some of the diseases we'll be talking about in just a moment. Before we do that, Pam, let's talk about your work there at the Wellness Forum. What is the Wellness Forum in Columbus, Ohio?
1: Well, we're based in Columbus, Ohio. We do business all over the world and our primary service is education. And uh, we help educate people about the right diet for preventing, stopping, and reversing disease. And we also teach people how to be good consumers of medical services. Mm. We're talking about Chapter 3 of my book today, which deals with the food issue, but the rest of the book, as you know, deals with issues like what drugs or supplements should you take and yes. not take, and tests yes. you should and shouldn't have. And you can eat a pretty perfect diet, and if you don't have this other stuff down pat, you That's can right. still end up with That's some right. serious health issues, mainly induced by interaction with medical <laughs> believe it or not. So um, our education reaches individuals. We work with employers who want to uh, lower health insurance costs. We have a school that trains health professionals. So there are many, many applications for the programs we provide, ranging from the individual to the employer mm-hmm. to the health professional who delivers services.
0: All right. Very good. That's uh, the Wellness Forum in Columbus, Ohio. Do you have a website for us?
1: We do. It's wellnessforum.com.
0: All right, very simple, wellnessforum.com. Okay, continuing now with the book Food Over Medicine, we're looking at Chapter 3, diseases that are caused by what we put into our mouth, and, oh my, Alzheimer's? Tell us about food and Alzheimer's.
1: Well, you know, the brain is the biggest utilizer of water, nutrients, oxygen, Mm -hmm. and how do we deliver water, nutrients and oxygen to the brain mm-hmm. through the blood vessels. Yes. Well, 40 to 50% of the people in this country end up dying of heart disease, and most people have markers for coronary artery disease. So when those arteries become lined with plaque and narrowed, the brain has difficulty accessing the things that it needs in order to function well. And uh, there are some highly suggestive studies that show you put people on statin drugs and their cognitive function improves. And I don't think that's a great idea. I think what you do is you you put people on a diet that reduces the need for statin drugs and (laughs) keeps your brain cognitively functioning and fit. So I think that um, there's a lot of evidence suggesting that Alzheimer's disease is really an end-stage ramification of coronary artery disease. And if people would eat a heart-healthy diet, like the one that we were talking about before the break, they could avoid Alzheimer's disease and be sharpened and functioning well mentally until the day they die.
0: That is going to surprise some people today, I can guarantee you. My, but it, it makes sense, you know, if blood is the life source for... For our heart, uh, it's also for our brain, and also would be for our memories, too, because those things are all fed, like you say, by that constant supply of oxygen and water and, and all the good stuff that goes up there. We take that out, and guess what happens? And the same with our bones as well. Osteoporosis, foodborne, that is a surprise for a lot of people. Tell us about that.
1: Well, the body has all kinds of regulatory mechanisms that make sure that your body stays in a state of homeostasis. And so... One example is that your blood pH has to stay within a narrow range 7.35 to 7.45. Mm-hmm. If it goes over 7.45 or under 7.35, you and I would be finished with the conversation immediately because whoever <laughs> suffering from that would be dead. We'll be dead. So, the body that's one of the ways the body regulates the state your state of being at any given point in time. Well, many foods, all foods actually leave a residue and high protein foods and animal foods leave an acid residue. <laughs> In fact, animal foods in particular are very high in, in sulfur-containing amino acids, which have an acidifying effect. And so when you eat a diet real high in this stuff, the body, again, in its attempt to keep your blood pH where it needs to be... yes looks around and says, where can we get some buffering minerals to keep blood pH where it needs to be? I think
0: I know where this is going. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. the biggest store of buffering minerals, like calcium, is in the bones. bones. So the body just starts withdrawing calcium from the bones, your bank of calcium, as it were, in order to, to buffer that acidity and keep your pH normal. So a little bit of that activity doesn't hurt a whole lot, but when people eat this way for decades, it sure does hurt a lot. And we, we even have great studies showing calcium excretion to be very much related to the amount of animal protein in the diet. So your bones were built to last as long as you do, but that's provided you maintain them like you're supposed to, and Mm -hmm. this very high animal and dairy-based diet that we eat is not part of that program. All right. We're
0: talking with Dr. Pam Popper. She is the author of Food Over Medicine. She's the executive director of the Wellness Forum in Columbus, Ohio. All right. This one is going to sh- shock me. When I read it, I sort of had to blink and uh, double check this here. Multiple sclerosis. I got calls on this. We talked about this once before on another program, Dr. Popper, and I got calls on people said, what? Where's that program? Let me, let me hear that program again. Multiple sclerosis and food. Make that connection for us.
1: Yeah, well, actually, the connection was originally made by Dr. Roy Swank decades ago, and he documented the use of diet in stopping the progression of or reversing multiple sclerosis in several thousand patients. But uh, multiple sclerosis is a form of autoimmune disease, and autoimmune diseases, while there is some genetic predisposition, usually start with some triggering factor, like a virus or uh, bacterial infection, something of that nature, and then combined with our poor diet yes. results in full-blown autoimmune disease, and multiple sclerosis is one of those. Dairy foods are particularly correlated with um, with multiple sclerosis. In fact, if you look at maps of the world, one of the things that you find really interesting is that if you look at where diseases are concentrated, you see a lot of multiple sclerosis in Europe and the United States. You don't see much in Northern Africa at all, very little in Asia, except for the the bigger cities where they eat like we do. So uh, dairy has a lot, of, a lot to do with it, animal food, fat has a lot to do with a low-fat diet, it's very prescriptive. And so Dr. McDougall uh, has been treating patients with diet for years with multiple sclerosis and in many cases, these patients, particularly if you get them early stage, become asymptomatic mm. and don't require drugs for the remainder of their life, they die of something else. For those who've progressed a little bit more, you can stop the progression of the disease and that becomes important because if you know anybody who's, uh, who has this disease, they start with needing assistance to walk and then there's the wheelchair and then the bed and then there's death. So in any stage of the game, you can stop the progression. It's a good idea and diet will do that.
0: Is this also true in osteoporosis and in Alzheimer's? Can we reverse some of these things?
1: You can reverse a lot of things. I, I don't really know that you can reverse uh, full-blown Alzheimer's, but we have had some experience here with people who had coronary artery disease and were suffering from losing cognitive function who cleaned up their act and decided to drink water, eat well, and I always prescribe use your brain. That's another thing. You've heard use it or lose it. Well, it's certainly true with the brain. So, um, And one thing, by the way, that's been clinically proven to work is that Lumosity program that you can do online for like $5 a month. So uh, I recommend that, too. So you can reverse a lot of things. You can stop the progression of most things. And uh, the earlier you start eating well and taking care of yourself, the better chance you have of just getting rid of whatever crud you have Mm and uh, restoring yourself to normal.
0: Now, what's the name of that program?
1: It's called Lumosity.
0: Lumosity, okay. Yeah,
1: there are actually clinical studies showing that this program improves cognitive function. And it's actually fun. I've done some of them online just to play with the games, and it's just five, six, Minutes a day, and um, uh, it works even with people who've already suffered cognitive decline.
0: It sounds like, and as I as I listen to you here, and I and I looked at these diseases I have listed here that I wanted to ask you about, it sounds like we're really talking about the ability of our body to deliver nutrients to different places, whether it be the heart, the brain, the the bones, the kidney, the liver, all the different places. It sounds like we are in the way we're eating, the standard American diet with all the fat and all that, that we are keeping nutrients away from our body. And what you're saying is when we eat the right foods, those pathways open up again. Am I on the right track here?
1: Well, that's part of it, and then the other thing is that the body returns to normal function. Again, going back to our example with osteoporosis, the body the body's goal is to keep you functioning and breathing in and out and it will do it and, and it'll just keep compromising and, and making adjustments and adaptations. And when you end up with full-blown illness, that's when the body's just done all the adapting and adjusting and it, it can and it can't do anymore. And so you find out you have cancer or you find out you, you end up with a heart attack or you have an autoimmune disease. This is your body just saying, look, we've done all we can, you know, and at this point in time, major repairs are required. It's sort of like not maintaining your car. It's Sooner or later, it just starts banging around and making noise and eventually stops, and you've got to do something. And, uh, of course, my premise is we take a lot of trouble to maintain our cars and our houses and all kinds of other things. Why don't we just treat our bodies that way and not get to the place where we end up with something full-blown?
0: Well, I want to ask you this one, Dr. Pam Popper, because there are listeners, I'm sure, who are suffering from these diseases, both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. It's becoming obvious type 2 diabetes is food-related, and I think most people would sort of nod their head and say, yeah, I I kind of understand that. But type 1, type 1 childhood-onset diabetes, tell us about that and food.
1: Well, one thing that surprises people is one of the leading causes of juvenile diabetes in children is the consumption of cow's milk. Hmm. Uh, We know that, for example, a genetically susceptible child-consuming cow's milk has... A greater risk of developing juvenile diabetes than a smoker has of developing lung cancer. And so we don't really know which children are genetically susceptible, so wouldn't it just be a better idea not to give babies and toddlers, cow's milk? Once you have type 1 diabetes, it's a little bit different than type 2, because type 2 you can eat your way out of and you can't do that with type 1, but where diet is very very powerful is that studies have shown you can reduce insulin needs by 30-40% in a really short period of time. And what that does is it reduces the risk of the complications that diabetics tend to have as they age. The leading cause of blindness in the United States is diabetic retinopathy. Uh, The leading cause of amputation is diabetic-related neuropathy, 250% increase in the risk of stroke. Most diabetics actually die of coronary artery disease. So you can avoid a lot of that if you change your diet. So there's some good reasons for all diabetics, even type 1 diabetics, to pay attention to diet, even though you can't get rid of the type 1 diabetes.
0: Now, Dr. Popper, you've mentioned several times in this interview today genetics and that they do play a role. But are we victims of genetics or are we gatekeepers of genetics and what happens to us?
1: We're not victims. You know, genetics are important. It's why I'm five feet seven inches tall and somebody else has blue eyes. <laughs> and we all, every single person that's listening to this is genetically predisposed to develop a few diseases. I know there are three or four that run in my family too. Whether or not you develop those diseases depends upon the choices that you make. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to start misbehaving and eating a bad diet, the things I'm most likely to get are coronary artery disease. Everybody in my dad's family gets it. Rheumatoid arthritis. All the women in my mother's family end up with it. And obesity. All the women on both sides of the family are obese. Now I don't know if you've ever seen me live, but I'm, I'm not obese. looking at a obese. picture, and you are not obese. No. <laughs> no, no. But I always tell people I'm such an overachiever. I'm really sure that I could eat my way into obesity by Christmas time <laughs> if I put my mind to it right now. You know. So it, what? What flavor of disease you get depends upon your genetics, but it's highly likely that you can keep from developing the family diseases, as it were, if you eat the right diet. And that's my goal. I mean, I look at my genetic destiny and some of my family members, and it's a tremendous inspiration for me to do the right things because I don't want to end up particularly like my mother, who died prematurely at the age of 74, of foodborne illness. She just always thought she could eat and drink and be merry, and the medical profession would save her, and it couldn't. And I don't want that to happen to me. My,
0: my. Our guest today has been Dr. Pam Popper. She is the author of Food Over Medicine. Where can people find copies of this book, Dr. Popper?
1: Well, you can buy it at Amazon.com, any place they sell books, like Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. I always get tickled when I walk into a bookstore and see my book. I just have to say (laughs) that. I'm not over that yet. (laughs) That's kind of fun. But any place that sells books, you can buy it through the Wellness Forum. And um, it is a a great book. And I have to give credit to my co author Glenn Mercer, who's a marvelous writer. So I think I have some really good ideas but he made those ideas really easy to read about so I thank him a lot for the way it turned out
0: and also a big shout out to Dell Shroff he also provided the recipes in there he works with you at the wellness forum I've talked yeah. to him on so the those air.
1: are Dell's recipes yes. well it's kind of funny because people tell me I love your book I love the conversational format that was Glenn's idea and they love the recipes well those are Dell's. you know <laughs> they love the photography well I didn't take the pictures I said well how about the content that part's fine <laughs> oh yeah that's good too oh by the way it's
0: a, it's a good read yes. well fantastic well fantastic well I appreciate you coming on the show today and talking about these important topics. Food born illnesses, food born diseases. We do not have to be victims, we can fight back and we can do that with the same energy and the same motivation that got us to where we are we can turn this around by making better choices and choices that are using healing foods in our bodies instead of destructive foods and this book food over medicine has all the information you need to learn about this and also to make some wonderful food the recipes in there that's food over medicine by our guest dr pam popper p-o-p-p-e-r Dr. Popper, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom.
1: Thank you so much. I hope we inspired some people.
0: Absolutely. You always inspire me. And listener, there's a website, chiphealth.com. If you want to find out if the complete health improvement program is coming into your area, that's at chiphealth.com. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Pamela Popper, inviting you to be healthy by choice. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about healthy by choice, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651. You can also email us through our website at 3abn.org.